Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Coffee is for Closers. Special episode today. I have Will Hinkson with us. He is the number one recruit over the last six months here at Sales Sniper that we've bring into the organization, essentially to keep the wheels uh, moving forward and to, to keep me and Matt and, and Marco in line. The voice of reason. Uh, Will, why don't you uh, introduce yourself and uh, tell us what exactly you do here because you can explain better than what I can. Oh man, I don't want to know if I want to claim responsibility over you guys and those decision-making processes as the voice of reason, but I am the head of sales here at Sales Sniper. Oh, head of sales? <laughs> I thought you were head of human resources, isn't that? Yep. You ever seen a helicopter? A helicopter? I, I don't believe. Maybe you can. No, that's weird. I'll explain it later. I'll show you in person. <laughs> so basically what that means is Marco and I kind of work right hand, left hand at managing all the done-for-you sales accounts with all of our client-facing stuff, as well as uh, probably most importantly, our rep-facing stuff to make sure those guys are developing, everything's on track, and everybody is just smashing it. Awesome. Cool. And uh, why we've got a nice space. Cue the intro. (laughs) If you listen to this podcast... You will make your first million within three years. I'm going to repeat that. You will make a million dollars within three years of the first episode you listen to. We don't want pikers. We're not here to save the manatees. We're here to make podcasts. You really want this. You listen and review. Put that coffee down. The reason I wanted to, to jump on with Will today is uh, we had something very, very exciting happen where I just got off the plane uh, yesterday from the US. Uh, Will was in charge of organizing the first ever sales sniper retreat. That happened over in the, um, in the States, in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, right where as we opened up our new office. So I flew over uh, as a surprise, the guy to meet people. We're ideally going to have Matt come, but it was very short notice as some of you guys are aware. Australia right now has very heavy restrictions and uh, they opened the borders last minute. So I got on a plane and uh, Will was uh, responsible for running the show, organizing the show. And we thought we would uh, jump on and and talk a little bit about that behind the scenes. So Will, um, as uh, you were responsible for organizing things, why don't we start with like from from your point of view, uh, the intention of what we wanted to do with the retreat, uh, why we did it and how much effort it took to organize something like that on the back end. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so too long, didn't read uh, more effort than I thought it was going to be. And it was, a, it was kind of, fun. Yeah, oh my God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's start at the beginning. Right. So um, Matt was like, Hey man, we're thinking about throwing a retreat for all the U S guys. It'll be first two days. We'll come in. We'll have Jeremy Miner speak. Like we can probably just rent like an Airbnb and then like everybody will stay there. And then the last three days, we're going to run a sales derby. We'll give prize away for cash collected. Well, what do you think? I was like, yeah, it sounds like a great idea. And then the next phrase out of Matt's mouth, I think before my last syllable got out, was like, cool. You're cool for organizing all that? I said, sure. <laughs> of course I am. Of course I am. Uh, having never done something like that uh, and maybe underestimating a little bit like props to like those folks that are wedding planners, event coordinators, all of that stuff that do this for a living. Um, you have a skill set that probably does not necessarily fall into mine, and I respect the hell out of you now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now I can see how hard it would be. What did uh, what did we initially set as uh, a budget? <laughs> I I asked that question. I was like, hey, so I, yeah, I think it was on one of our management meetings. 
I was like, yeah, what do you think for, for like a budget for this? And it was like, I, I don't know, like probably like 30 grand, but like we could go up to 50 and <laughs> having <going>? never, <laughs> I actually, I, I never looked at like the full bill. I haven't seen it. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So it was like 114,000 all said and done. <laughs> so I went just a little bit over budget. Um, Cause it turns out, well, we had a bigger response than I thought. Right. So we ended up having 40 plus reps out there with all of us that were there. If you've never tried to book an Airbnb for 40 people, it doesn't exist. Uh, so that, so that's the thing. <laughs> so yeah, or maybe it does, but it, it's probably 60 grand in and of itself for the week. Uh-huh. So we ended up renting a hotel. We ended up having, uh, locking on a caterer, doing all this stuff, the food. I mean, you, you got a chance to be there, which was the food was, it was off good. the charts. Good. See, I, I've never been to the States before. I was just expecting like the caterers to bring out cheeseburgers <laughs> all day, every day, you know. But uh, I was shocked to learn you didn't ride in on a uh, on a kangaroo. It was weird. Yeah, it was weird to hear you. Actually, I, I figured there was some sort of swimming that went on. It was yeah. uh, my whole perception of Australia was was off, apparently. Yeah. Wed- Wedgetail eagle. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, um, eagles, but they're eagles. <laughs> fair. So yeah, so it was cool, man, because we kind of, as we went down this, as it went from like this idea of like 30 to 50 grand, hilariously, like the catering budget was 18 grand to put that in context for the week. Uh, I think between the catering budget and just purely with the Brightlings, the cash prizes, everything else, like that alone was 30 grand before we even talked about housing and, and everything else. Uh, speaking but, of, uh, I see uh, something on your wrist there. Oh, this little guy. Yeah. You, you, and you and Matt were kind enough to send this my way a couple months ago. I think for my birthday, actually, uh, which was nice. Uh, Funnily, we uh, we bought those and had them shipped here. I don't know. Matt ordered them. I'm like, why didn't you just ship them straight to Will? Anyway, so I get down to the post office to send them across to you. They're like, ah, oh, you need all these uh, forms. You need to apply for an export license because it's over ten thousand dollars. I was like, oh, what a headache. So we just bought more and got them sent to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the answer at some point is like, yeah, we'll just buy more if that's easier. Um, uh, going over budget on everything. To be fair, <laughs> I, uh, I'm i significant. Yeah, that doesn't even include the extra bright links. I'm not even including the extra two that are sitting with you and Matt right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I think one of them's on his wrist. <laughs> yeah, yep. I would have taken one, but they're a bit, bit big for me. I'm like, a, I need like a... 41 or under these are like 40 i think size 43 face so my uh i got little bitch wrists i, I can't wear them i look stupid so it happens um, it happens yeah okay but well, let's break that down right so uh, back to the retreat um we we split that up into two areas one we wanted a couple of days of education then we wanted to run a sales derby so for reference the guys listening we had switched off the calendars for all of our guys for the first two days of the week so monday tuesday calendars were off right they were there purely to learn there was no dm setting happening in place we uh pushed hard the week prior to have the wednesday thursday friday filled back to back with sales calls right then from wednesday onwards we split up the guys everyone moved around the um the Airbnb, some guys taking sales calls in the pool, other guys taking sales calls in the kitchen, other guys taking sales calls on the front doors just so that they had enough space where there wasn't heard. And we pumped 
as many sales and as many additional bookings for the week uh, following week on those three days, right? And we ran a competition, which I'll let you explain the structure of the prizes and how that worked. But the whole intention was to get everyone pumped up, get them more better skills and, and get them into an environment where you could hear other people doing things so that they could crush sales. And uh, based on the numbers, it seemed to work really well. So I'll let you- oh, It worked very well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this, to even set the stage a little bit more, right? So we rented out this mansion, this Airbnb where we were at there in Scottsdale. So for two days, we had Jeremy Miner speaking, Spencer Burnett, one of our partners as well. And then my talk got, got thrown in there as well. It was a, a B team pull up, uh, minor league pull up since Matt couldn't be there. Um, so we were able to fully train everybody up on this stuff. And I will tell you, having gone through inner circle directly with Jeremy, even having the access to all, all the amazing training we have internally at Sales Sniper and do with our teams, mm-hmm. there is a special sauce to going with Jeremy Miner in person, watching him do that and mm-hmm. how that unfolds for him in person. That is cannot be replicated anywhere else because I've been through all of this stuff. That's how we all got connected as I came through inner circle. Uh-huh. So everybody's ramped up. Everybody is just like buzzing with energy, electricity. Like, I mean, we came off those two days of training, came straight into the sales derby. And like, not only did they come off the training, but Jeremy was there. I was rocking around. You were walking around. Like we're tweaking guys sales processes and giving them real-time feedback while they're on the calls there. Like it was, it was incredible. It was electric inside mm-hmm. of the house. So the prizes were this, the sales derby that ran was for anybody that is in one of our alphas who are closing, they're closing deals, Bravos as well. We did the highest amount cash collected for the week, right? For those right. three days. Yeah. So Monday and Tuesday didn't count because obviously nobody's taking calls because they're absorbing information. But for those next three days, we went highest amount cash collected. Now, spoiler alert, we had somebody that did $800,000 contract value, mm-hmm. not cash collected, but in a single day. Yeah. Uh, so it was it was off the charts. But the whoever ended up doing the most cash collected won a Breitling. And then for our folks, whoever had the most uh, sets, we gave them $1,000 cold hard cash. And then uh, as we were going through the week, we noticed so many people that were showing up early, staying late, living and breathing the core values of Sniper that you looked at me and you're like, hey, man, we we have to have some like spirit of sales Sniper awards. Like yeah, we have yeah. to like, let's do it 100%. Like, yeah, what do you want to do? You're like, I don't know, 500 bucks? Like, yeah, let's go 500 bucks. And we ended oh, that's up, right. Because yeah. it was $1,000 originally, wasn't it? Yeah, but we ended up, uh, we, did, we got $1,000 out. And uh, we announced them and I was like, oh, but we uh, missed Chris because he was equally deserving. So I gave him, I think I just gave him all the cash that I had in my wallet to make really? up for it because we run out of the um, the actual prize <laughs> envelopes. So I just slipped some money into his pocket. But yeah, like uh, Patrick Allen Jones won uh, the, the the first place prize with most cash collectors was contract value. Um, $800,000 in a single day contract value is massive. Uh, he, I think he finished with like $78,000 cash collected. Yep. He got a 78,000 wire in a single day, by the way, he had some other stuff he had to leave to on Thursday, Friday. Yeah. He wasn't there for the the Thursday, Friday, but, uh, to put that in perspective as well, he would have, he has collected significantly more of that cash. 
Um, with deals that size, you don't put them through a payment link. They are wire transfers. Uh, he had payments go through. They didn't land in the bank account to be able to be confirmed during that day. Um, I think by the I think by the Monday there was about 380 of that cash that had physically been collected as well. So huge effort. Usually with big deals, you make the sale in a day. You don't technically collect that cash. A lot of people, when you're spending $300,000, you don't really want to risk your cash stores. Most of the time you'll get external funding and borrow from assets you already have. That way to diversify your income. So you do have cash stores if necessary for other things. So there's a lot of um, minutia uh, surrounding uh, deals of that size. Then um, the three uh, runners up that we had, uh, there was Road, Talas, and uh, Will. Maybe you want to run through their numbers if you can remember them off the top of your head. Yeah. So everybody was roughly around 55K cash collected for those three days. So it was like, I think somebody was 51K, somebody was 58. And then I think Road might have been, came in at like 62, something like that. Mm, that's, so, that's still huge. Savage. Days, right? <laughs> like that much cash collected. Yeah, and I think the important thing to note too, like, because I think you hear those numbers, right? And you're just like, oh, I need to be that closer. Like the reason why we went with most sets as well, and also kind of like spirit of sales sniper is like the lifeblood of anybody that's closing at a really high level is the fact that they have calls and those are set really well. So I want to recognize as well the rest of our team, because everybody put in massive effort. I mean, you look at somebody like JD, who is there just making the dials. Like I forget how many sets he did, but it was extraordinary who, uh, um, who won the the most sets i'm trying to remember now as well i, I it is it's a little yeah <laughs> yeah exactly um i'm so sorry if you're listening to this and i totally forgot i can't remember if it was jd uh <laughs> jd won spirit of sales sniper along with uh, uh luke von holland and chris Kavanaugh. yeah that's right i think it might have yeah. been valeria possibly could have been totally could have been at the last minute out and uh, I'll, I'll take five It's cool. Um, anyway, so those were who, who won the, the awards. Uh, huge, huge efforts. From expectations from our end, we collected a lot more money. We got significantly more contract value than I was going in expecting. So maybe it was worthwhile to overspend on the budget because it seemed to work. We got a pretty good ROI. We did. And I remember talking to Matt halfway through it. Uh, and Matt was, oh, he was missing out so much. He was like, ah, show me around. How's that? Like, you could tell, like, you know, like when like all of your friends are going to do something, but you can't. Like, I remember years ago, I had one of my old teams from the special operations community. They all went to Vegas for the week. And I'd gotten really like sick, like in the hospital sick, mm-hmm. like the day I was supposed to fly. And I remember like two days later, like calling him up. I'd like been on an IV and O2 and all that stuff. I was like, how is it? How is it? And I, like, I heard the same thing in Matt's voice. It's like, how's everybody doing? Like, what was it like? What's it? I was like, I, I really truly feel that that week for almost everybody that was there leveled them up one or two spots in their mm-hmm. career development in a very short amount of time frame, And for a lot of different reasons, not only was it the education and training that we put together, but I think the environment as well with being primarily remote for everybody coming in together, meeting most of these people you've seen on Zoom for sometimes years in person for the first time and just being able to come through and crush that like side by side. There was something special with that. Like, so that that was one. Like, what are the other reasons you think people leveled up? Yeah, I mean, I think it's one thing where it's like you see it from afar. I think it's another thing when you're inside of a group of people where you have the culture and the standards that we do. I mean, the 
the secret sauce of sales sniper, in my opinion, uh, you, you might disagree with me, um, but is really what we have in terms of our standards and our core values, yep. right? Like what we truly hold to be like everybody we hire and fire by these core values and the standards that we hold. But when you come in together and you see somebody else doing a little bit better than you or something a little bit better than you and you're there in person and everybody has one or two things there that they do better than everybody else, but also can learn a lot from everybody else. Yeah. Uh, for, for me, and like this is something that, that went through my head, was uh, sometimes when you see people on, on TV, you see like, um, you know, Jeremy's level of success, like you see Elon's level of success, it kind of feels like a fairy tale, right? Yeah. And you get into an environment where you now realize that it's like, oh, you see a uh, road crushing it, right? You're like, I'm no different to that guy. I can do exactly what he's doing right now. And all of a sudden that fairy tale becomes real. And now everything that you've thought, like, I would like to have that in the future. It, it sets in stone that that's now possible because like, he's just a normal guy that it's happened to. He's done the exact same things that I'm doing. He's just a couple steps ahead. So now it, it's no longer a fairy tale, but it is like composed in reality. And you get that level of conviction that it's like, ah, okay. I just have to keep doing exactly what I'm doing. And then you generate like that level of self-belief where it's like, oh, mate, cards are off. I can do that. Like they're not. Anybody. Unless you're trying to be as big as road. road. Road's a pretty big dude in person. You're going to have to start lifting. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Good luck with that. But in terms of closing at the level of road that can close yeah. that, that you can attain. Yeah. It's just another human being. Right. And uh, once you realize that, it's like, I can do exactly what that guy does. I can model him. I can take the same standards. I can take the same process that got him to this level. I just need to figure that out for me. And I think like that level of assurance when people realize that it's like, oh, that's actually possible. It's not a fairy tale dream um, makes things happen very quickly. So, yeah, and I think it's an interesting thing you just touched on too, right? Because like I would say everybody kind of like our top level closers, if you will, like everybody has a little bit different style, mm. but everybody's looking for the same outcomes yeah. from their sales process. And I think that can be a little confusing in the beginning, but I think the magic of part of the magic of what we saw there was all of a sudden you had everybody with their own style. And especially those first couple of days, like we had those role plays mm. with Talis and Road, and they're two of our top level closers, right? Like they're doing massive numbers per month. And then, and then Jeremy would slide into that seat. And then you're like, oh, that's what it looks like 20 yeah. years later doing this. But his outcomes that are, he's getting, are the same exact things that Talis and Road are going that we all use. Yeah. But it's you start to realize like, oh, I can't skip steps. I have to know what I'm looking for. And I shouldn't try to model anybody until I actually understand the process of what's going through. Like, I, Or I shouldn't say model anybody. I shouldn't try to change what's working until I get to such a level that I understand the outcome of every single question, every process mm -hmm. in the sale. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I guess like we don't have much, much time left. What did you take away from uh, the retreat? And then I'll go after you as like something that you learned or something that blew your mind. I'm, I'm kind of curious, like what you got out of it as an individual. Yeah. I mean, besides a bunch of good night's sleep, having to plan everything up and once it went, it was there and I could address anything there. Yeah. Um, I think more than anything, more than ever, and I was already pretty bullish on us, as you well know. 
Um, <laughs> we had some phone conversations <laughs> with our pants off after a few beers. <laughs> I mean, my pants are on. Were yours off? Oh, yeah, they were. That's weird. I didn't even notice. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I, I think for me, like it just, it reinforced what I already kind of knew, which is like, we have something that is incredibly unique here that I do not think like, should we ever all retire? I don't think you can replicate this team again. Yeah. I think it is a mix of experience a lot of humility, even regard everybody has a lot of fun, but like there is a level of humility there as well. And just pure talent that I don't think anybody else can replicate. I think people with series A, series B, series C funding try to do and still miss the mark. Like I am more bullish than ever on sales sniper, just taking over the planet. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I agree with you. And for me, it was like, I didn't necessarily take anything major away except for a reiteration on what I believed, you know, and um, what's the right word I'm looking for? Confirmation, probably more so bias than anything, but definitely some confirmational bias on what I already thought. And walking in and uh, seeing everybody that had never met each other before, almost as if they were family, it, it really ingrained the fact that what we set up from the start and what we tried to achieve was by building a, you know, a family and a culture that supports each other and pushes people to borderline their limits actually is happening. And it's not just like a thought in my head that like, you know, oh, you know, we've got this good culture, but seeing it live and seeing how much care that everyone had for each other really uh, put it into perspective and, and humbled me <laughs> to the point where I've never been that humbled before to see how much people actually care about what we've done and uh, believe in what we've we've done. And I think that was amazing. So it's uh, motivated me. I'm not a very motivated guy, uh, <laughs> although people tend to think so. I just wake up and do what I got to do. Like, I don't think you need motivation to do that if you enjoy it. But uh, that actually motivated me to make things happen quicker and put even more effort in. So I thought that was amazing. Yeah, I, uh, I'm looking forward to the next one. Like, it's uh, it's only up from here. And uh, on that note, uh, to sort of display that a little, uh, your buddy Eric sent us a, a few files. I think it might be cool to import that into this uh, a podcast as like a, a closing statement. Um, so with that being said, uh, Will, is there anything that you'd like to add on about this whole experience uh, before we leave it there? Yes. Next year, my strongest recommendation would be for us to bring in an event coordinator. Uh that will do a much better job than I did. Funny story. Uh, <laughs> last night, Spencer was there. I was having a big chat with him. Uh, Spencer is uh, runs Sniper Operations. He runs the operations side of our, our business, which is uh, yet to be released. So a little sneak peek there. And uh, he mentioned, he goes, oh, why didn't you guys just ask me to help? Uh, like I used to be in events all this time. I was like, thanks, Spencer. Maybe you should have said that a month ago. <laughs> I could have made us so much more money by focusing on all of the rest of the stuff we have going on instead of getting the logistics in place. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you got to touch the stove to know it's hot. You got to break a few eggs to understand how to cook an omelet. And I'm cool with going over budget, figuring things out on the fly. It's kind of what we do. And that's how we learn. So. To be fair, as we go further and further, if I'm helping to manage that, then I know what to look for at that stage. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, especially with uh, COVID. You, you didn't have to. So thank you for that. Of course, brother. 
And uh, cue the outro. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Bye. The best thing about working with Sales Sniper is the ability to grow. Grow as a person, grow as a human being, grow your skill set, grow the level of income that you can actually make, not only for yourself, but for your family and the people that you actually care for. Being a part of the Eternal Sales Sniper team, for me, it has to develop my sales career because it, it just shows me like where that standard is here. I don't find that standard or that skill level anywhere else. To me, Sales Sniper is an opportunity for me to see what I'm capable of by simultaneously being surrounded by people that are all trying to do the same objective. For me, Sales Sniper is the future. Yeah, I think the way sales should be done not only a great way to make a living, but also an excellent way to do something fulfilling about the sales career. We're transforming lives. You, you basically kind of see the whole process from beginning to end. So starting like top of the funnel, setting appointments through messenger conversations, uh, actually like speaking with people over the phone and then going into closing. You get to see like prospects don't just come out of thin air, like business owners spend their time, money and effort. For me, I look at it as part personal development, part personal investment, because we're inspiring others to take action on the things that they want to take action. You know, sign in with the program and realize like how serious this, this type of training was. So it's been literally helped me go from one sale a month to being able to close for one of our you know, big accounts. When I say Sales Sniper has opened up a lot of opportunities for me, it's not only in the cool projects that I get to work on. I literally have tripled my income in the last year and a bit by working with them. I think that my favorite part about the culture is that everybody is there for you. No one's judging you. Everybody's there to help each other be better. And it's as long as you put your hand up and you're vulnerable and you're open and ask for help, then there's always somebody that's going to come in and say, you know, whatever they can do to help you, they'll, they'll do. And the most important thing is the culture behind the company that we work for. They really believe in you. They give you an opportunity. They provide you with the best resources, the best assets that somebody in sales can actually have to succeed. We would recommend Sales Sniper because we're going to teach you the right skills. Even if you're a seasonal professional, we're going to teach you how to go from here to here. If you're a beginner or newer in sales, we're going to give you the right foundation so you can go all the way to the top. And we're going to place you in the right opportunities where you can succeed. The whole premise is we hire on culture and train people. Once you've got sales training nailed down, it's very easy to get people to a certain level, provided they have the right attitude, mental capacity, and ambition to do so. And there is one credential that we take, and if I saw that on a resume, I'd immediately be like, you're in. And that's, I gauge our, our hires on whether or not I would sit down and enjoy a beer with you. <laughs>